0: What is that when you jump around and carry on and
1: do the who dat stuff? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our, our, our champ.
2: Duncan Holder Podcast back at you on the Athletics Podcast Network. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you, of course, as always, and... A pleasant addition as always. Saints beat writer for The Athletic, Catherine Terrell, is going to jump on uh, because guess what? It is free agency madness. We've seen trades. We've seen signings. We've seen cuts. We've seen it all. And, of course, uh, the Saints may not be as heavy of a player in all of this, and yet they're, of course, making moves. And moves around them in the NFC South uh, is certainly a big, big thing involving the saints so we're going to talk all about that and of course if you're listening to this podcast you can do so in a couple ways apple spotify wherever you get your podcast rate review subscribe do all those goodies and theathletic.com slash dunk and holder you can jump on there as well but uh jeff catherine jeff i'll start with you just your overall sense of how the saints have approached this free agency period uh it doesn't surprise me that they've been cautious. Uh, They've had, they focused in on signing their own. And of course they did make one splash reunion with Malcolm Jenkins.
0: Yeah. I think we, we kind of projected it would be a little slower than normal uh, just because of the, the status of the roster and the, the fact that we all know there's some looming big deals down the road, not just this year, but next year and, and going forward. Uh, this roster is pretty well set. I mean, I think people forget, we've we've said this before, I, I think some segment of the fan base tends to overreact to that loss to the Vikings and, and forget that this team won 13 games back-to-back years, the only team in the league. They've won more games than any team in the league over the last three years. Uh, this team needs tweaking on the roster, not any kind of massive overhaul. And I think free agency so, so, so far has reflected that.
2: And Catherine as far as what this team has done, what they need to do, what are the things that you feel like, okay, they've addressed and been able to uh, solidify this roster? And maybe what are some spots where you're wondering where they might be able to go next?
1: Well, it's kind of funny. Usually the saints are always that team that makes a big signing and and surprises everyone. I don't know if you remember when they signed Jareth bird, uh, What has it been, six years and I called you and you didn't believe me at first? Uh, This offseason hasn't been like that. I made this checklist the other day of all the things they needed to do or would do to get under the cap, and they've done them all. It's been no surprises. They did pay cuts. They restructured to get under the cap. But I think really maybe their big miss was going after Jamie Collins and not getting him. Now they've kind of got a linebacker hole. They They made Kiko Alonso take a pay cut, but he's no sure thing to start. his timetable for recovery from that ACL is anywhere from August to October. So they've got to go after some linebackers in some way. I don't know if it's this week or if it's in the draft, but that's one big thing. And then as we've talked about ad nauseum, wide receiver is still a priority. I just don't think it's going to happen in free agency. Maybe a a third wave guy, but I don't think – there's any superstar wide receivers left. And with that money that's been thrown around, it, it makes sense that they wanted to sit that one out. So they've still got a couple of things they need to do, but um, they've, they really don't have that many holes to fill otherwise. Maybe find an interior offensive lineman. I don't know if Anders Pete has a market. I thought he might, but he's still sitting out there. So I could see maybe re-signing him.
2: And good segue. You mentioned Jarris Bird. Of course, uh, it is uh, the synergy of the NFL The Saints let Malcolm Jenkins walk in free agency back uh, leading up to the 2014 season and overpaid for Jarris Bird. That's the last time they've really made giant splash big money on day one of free agency. Uh, But now, of course, Malcolm Jenkins returns, which means the exit for Von Bell. And I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely seen some mixed reaction publicly from the fan base. Of this uh, transaction. And yet, all I know is that people are too fixated on... Well, Malcolm Jenkins gave up a big play in the 2011 NFC Divisional Round. And they're blinded by that. And yet, they have not paid attention that Malcolm Jenkins, since he's left... He's been a multi-time Pro Bowler, uh, Super Bowl champion with the Eagles. And the Eagles fan base is pissed... That they let Malcolm walk, and so Jeff, I know you wrote a column about it on the Athletic. It's up right now. Uh, just your thoughts on bringing back Malcolm Jenkins?
0: Well, I think he fits, uh, you know, into a pattern the Saints have shown over time, especially in the Sean Payton era. You know, we've all talked to him a number of times how much he values players, high character players, veteran players, especially. I think Kiko Alonso kind of fits into this mold. They like bringing in these veteran guys that have come from winning programs, certainly the Eagles. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins has won two Super Bowls now, the second one with the Eagles. Uh, they like having those guys in the locker room. They, they help with leadership. They are cultural fits. I mean, you got to still be able to play. You still have to have a role on the team. Uh, they're not bringing in a mascot, as Peyton likes to say, but like they want a guy in each position group that can lend leadership, that has experience. And if you look at the safety position on the Saints, Marcus Williams is the oldest veteran on the team. He's played three years. He's a young guy to begin with, and he's a quiet guy. So I think someone like Malcolm Jenkins makes perfect sense to help mold and provide a role model, if you will, a resource for someone like Marcus Williams. If they're going to salvage him, he's going into last year of his deal. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins can help in that regard, so I think he's a perfect fit. He's a versatile player. He knows the defense. Uh, there's just a lot of reasons why it makes a lot of sense for, for Jenkins to come into this secondary.
2: Now, Catherine, you've been locker room, gotten to know Von Bell uh, over this past year, and this is a question from at Exile on Main Street on Twitter. Uh, Wasn't Von Bell a great, quote-unquote, locker room guy? Also, I can't see how getting eight years older at safety is making the Saints better. Jenkins appears to be a great person, but don't you guys think he's a downgrade at safety? Uh, Catherine, you said that you felt like Von Bell would have been a priority signing for this team, and maybe Sean Payton just said, I am... Still upset that I let Malcolm walk out the door. He's still playing uh, well, even uh, approaching 33. And he wanted to bring him back. Uh, Catherine, just your, your take on this whole scenario.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's a valid point. Of why would you trade a 25-year-old for someone that's maybe in the last contract of their career? I can understand why fans don't understand that. And I mean, I think there is a lot. We probably don't know. My guess is... Possibly, I, this happens a lot and doesn't really get talked about. Possibly Von Bell had a number in mind or his agent had a number in mind and the Saints didn't think he was worth that. He thought he was worth more than he was maybe. Maybe he threw that number at them and then they didn't take it. And now he's kind of left scrambling trying to find a contract. That happened to Dark West Denard, who I covered with the Bengals two years ago. He ended up having to sign a one-year deal with, with the Bengals even though he had visions or his camp had visions of this big three-year deal or whatever. So I think that's one possibility. And I, I'm not saying a source or told me that or anything. I, I think it could have happened, but I also think maybe like you said, Peyton just really regretted letting Malcolm Jenkins go. I mean, it, it's, it's funny because when Malcolm Jenkins left the first time, I don't think any fans were saying, Oh my gosh, I wish we would have kept him. I think they were kind of just waving him out the door. Malcolm Jenkins in philadelphia malcolm jenkins in new orleans the first time are just two totally different players i think he needed to leave so i don't know maybe they think they can replicate what he had in philly but i they've signed a lot of retreads basically for lack of a better word i don't think any of them really turned out that great it was okay so um it really could end up hit or miss here but you know i think as y'all pointed out jenkins will provide veteran leadership i think That's a good thing. I just don't know where they go after that. So, I mean, in terms of he's older, so they're eventually going to maybe have to add another safety, right? So I don't know. It is interesting that they chose to go this route.
0: Look, Catherine knows this better than anybody. She reported on this at length, and I mentioned it in the column. I think it's important for Saints fans to realize that when Malcolm Jenkins was here before, this place was a you-know-what show. I mean, defensively, it was a joke. Uh, They went through three different defensive coordinators. Uh, They were setting records for historically bad defenses. So people reflecting on Malcolm Jenkins' play right back then need to realize there were some internal problems that led to a lot of good players like Akeem Hicks and, and Malcolm Jenkins not performing here. And it's not necessarily the player's fault. We see it all the time, all over the league, not just in New Orleans, where players get in bad situations. They go somewhere else. We see it on the opposite end here in New Orleans where some players come in Demario Davis and and they play a lot better than they played somewhere else. This was that team. Sean Payton's used that phrase before. They were that team back then in 2014 or so that was undisciplined, making a lot of mistakes. And I think people are reflecting that on Malcolm Jenkins and I think it showed when he went to Philadelphia, that is more a reflection on what kind of talent he is, not what he did here in this merry-go-round of defensive coordinators and schemes and philosophies
2: and uh, even if say Malcolm Jenkins wouldn't pan out which I think he's going to pan out uh but uh, CJ Gardner Johnson's there so you basically have a ready-made person there uh to play that role if you need him to play that role and I but I think Jenkins is going to come in and he is going to be Von Bell uh just talking to a One of our colleagues who covered Malcolm the entire time in Philadelphia, Zach Berman, of course, at The Athletic, uh, who covers the Eagles, he described Malcolm Jenkins in the same exact role as Von Bell. He's not like this deep free safety. Uh, Like when he was with the Saints, he was a quote-unquote free safety. I mean, that's not who he is anymore. And so uh, you bring him in, and he is going to play the Von Bell role. Uh, Obviously, they really like C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, and so I'm curious to see if C.J. Garner-Johnson, uh, what, how they use him going forward in the defense. And that kind of segues into corner because you figure C.J. Garner-Johnson might play some slot, might defend the tight end a little bit, uh, even though Malcolm Jenkins has done that with the Eagles. But might as well take a look at the rest of the Saints secondary. I, we know Marshawn Lattimore there. But there's been some shuffling. Eli Apple is now with the Raiders. Uh, Patrick Robinson, Catherine, uh, just took a pay cut. I'm, we're going to have you go through those numbers here in a minute. Janoris Jenkins on Twitter says uh, that he's back. I'm assuming that means he's back with the Saints because the league year started, he gets a roster bonus, okay? So it looks like you have... And, and P.J. Ro- uh, PJ Williams is still a free agent. So, uh, Catherine, let's start by breaking down Patrick Robinson. People were thinking maybe he might have gotten cut, but... Uh, they they had him take a pay cut and just kind of go through the numbers and your thoughts on specifically Patrick Robinson.
1: Yeah, Patrick Robinson was one of those guys I pegged for uh, taking a pay cut or being released right away. You just don't pay that money that much money for a backup, especially at his age. I think he's 33, which is uh, kind of getting up there for a corner. So what they did is what they do with a lot of players. They basically – well, actually, sorry. I haven't had coffee enough coffee this morning. I was about to say they uh, restructured his base salary, but no, it was a pure pay cut, um, basically dropped his base salary down to $1.8 million, cut his cap number in half. It's the same thing they did to Kiko Alonso. He might be able to make it up in incentives. I'm not sure about that, but I mean, it it makes sense. They've always liked Patrick Robinson. They liked him enough to bring him back. He is a capable backup, but he's not going to make starter money for what he does at this point in his career. So it makes sense to um, keep someone around, especially with Eli Apple going and P.J. Williams still being out there and a lot of new faces in that cornerback room this year.
2: Jeff, as far as Patrick Robinson, look, he's reuniting with Malcolm Jenkins. They won a Super Bowl together with the Eagles. Now they're back together for a second run together with the Saints, which is kind of crazy. I literally just thought of that. Uh, But do you think that – and I know we've we've talked about maybe the Saints going after a slot corner – uh, and uh, I'll bring this question up from Twitter. Uh, a Danton Four was asking: The Saints are doing a lot of contract restructuring right now. Do you think this is a move for via trade or simply to clear up some space? Saints have a great roster and have holes, but uh, you know it's not that big of a deal. Basically, asking if corner was still on the table. Do you think maybe they could still be on the market for a corner or? P.J. Williams or Patrick Robinson? Jeff, your thoughts?
0: Well, I mean, they've got to make room to sign somebody. You know, they they're, they were tight to begin with. I think they still would like to get a multi-year deal done with Taysom Hill, and I don't know what that's going to look like. I think they could probably structure that uh, to be very cap-friendly early on, especially while Breeze is there, and then let it kind of escalate in the later years. I think that's what they will do. But I think they want to get him locked up long-term, so whether that happens... Today, tomorrow, or, or you know, down the road remains to be seen. But that's definitely got to be on the table. And I just keep going back to that line that Sean Payton said. We we all heard it earlier this year when he talked about the back end. They got to get better on the back end. And I think that is the kind of line that Sean Payton will throw out there every once in a while. You know, he very rarely ever says, ever throws any player under the bus, and he didn't really indicate a player there. But we all have seen this team give up late scores over and over and over again. Lots of times, it's, it's communication issues in the secondary, uh, other reasons. And I think he's just he had reached his limit on it. And bringing in a veteran like Jenkins and upgrading the cornerback position with so many new uh, parts that are going to be coming in, they need to fix the back end. That's been overlooked for for a number of years. And uh, I think it's definitely a priority this offseason.
2: Well, it's funny. Now the secondary room has a bunch of veterans now. Uh, they brought in Janoris Jenkins, obviously a veteran player who's only, we forget he's only played, what, three games for the Saints? Mm-hmm. And you can look at the metrics and or just look at the play on the field with your own eyes. Janoris Jenkins had a better season uh, than Marshawn Lattimore in a lot of metrics. And uh, more picks, more everything. Uh, he he could be, him and Lattimore could be very good together. Then you add Malcolm Jenkins to the mix. Who knows if Patrick Robinson plays more? I mean, he was great as, well, very good. I'll say very good. In Philadelphia as a nickel corner, that was a specialty. That's what the Saints originally brought him in for. So they went from really young to having a lot of veteran pieces, and it's more of a a, a mix and match there. Uh, but, uh, Catherine, no surprise that Eli Apple's gone, right? You and me were hearing that at the combine that it was like, adios, muchacho, uh, Eli Apple, see you later, good luck, Raiders.
1: That's a good way to put it. I actually put it nicely on Twitter and said... Um, the Saints are ready to move on and someone said, that's not very nice, but I mean, it's true. I don't think this, I don't think just from what I'm hearing that Eli Apple handled Janoris Jenkins being added to the roster very well. I mean, maybe he saw the writing on the wall, like, oh great, now I'm about to be replaced, which is exactly what happened. But I think that was part of it. I think his play was part of it. I think the Saints still consider it a good trade. I think, I mean, I think they're happy that they got him, that he played well in his first year, but just to, he was too inconsistent down the road. And I think they were just like, all right, you can, you can leave. It's fine. It's, it's why he signed so quickly with someone else. I don't know if they made any effort to keep him. So they were perfectly okay with that. And um, now I don't, PJ Williams still out there. I think they could probably resign him to a one-year deal like they have before, but um, that's kind of up in the air at this point.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if they went corner or free safety somewhere in the draft. Look, Marcus Williams is going in the final year of his deal. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, as of right now, only has one year left. So those two options could be open, either uh, a a small part of free agency or uh, maybe in the draft. Uh, So we we could look there. All right, let's shift gears. I know we touched on it a little bit at the beginning with Catherine uh, mentioning a good point, something I did not put in my lengthy agenda here that we need to get to. Uh, linebacker, they miss on Jamie Collins. We know that they had interest. Catherine and I both knew uh, and had talked with people at the Combine that the Saints certainly had interest in Jamie Collins. Uh, they did not go and pay him enough, apparently, or but he went to Matt Patricia in Detroit, old coach, so I get that as well, but you don't have Jamie Collins. AJ Klein is gone now. He is now with the Buffalo Bills. I think that's a good fit for him. He goes back to his old defensive coordinator, Sean McDermott. That makes sense. And Kiko Alonzo. Captain, let's start with you, Kiko Alonzo. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the pod uh, restructuring. Uh, just kind of go through that and kind of where he is health-wise and, uh, and where the Saints might go from here.
1: So I think Kiko Alonzo was actually a really good addition to the Saints locker room. I think when they went and got him, it was with basically the assumption that he was going to be a starter, which at the time was kind of weird because they had three starters. Well, either they didn't think Alex Anzalone's shoulder was going to hold up or they wanted to replace someone. I think it was probably the shoulder. He was dealing with it during training camp. He played through it for two games and then got hurt and went on IR. So I mean, whatever it was, it, the timing was very fortunate because he came in, he basically started right away, and I think he played well. But, you know, unfortunately, injuries just got to him in the end. He had a quad injury and tried to play through that or come back quickly, and I think that contributed to ACL injury. The problem is he's now had three ACL issues in his career, and once you get to that point, it's kind of a it's a very risky thing to come back. You don't know how well that knee's going to hold up. So they'd like to have him around, I think, but not at the price point that he was at. He was due over $7 million, and salary and bonuses now they've cut his base salary to 1.7 million basically you can earn it back through playing time incentives and what's called not likely to be earned incentives for people that don't know it just means his playing time wasn't very high last year so it's they don't think that he'll be able to do it this year but if he does he gets a lot more money so I think it's a win-win but I don't think that it guarantees that he's going to be on the roster at all it's basically a See how you're doing at training camp, kind of thing. But from what I've heard, his rehab is going well. But, you know, isn't everyone's at this time of the year? Does anyone ever tell you, my rehab isn't going well? Everyone's in the best shape of their lives. You never hear anything negative in March or April. Everyone's
2: ahead of schedule, Catherine. Exactly. Everyone on the planet is Surgery ahead of schedule. Always goes except, well. except for the U.S. and the coronavirus. We're wow. Bi- we're not ahead of schedule on wow. that. So I'm just going to drop that Too up. soon. To- Look, uh, I'm waiting for my kids to interrupt this podcast since I'm daddy, teacher, trying to work, trying to do all this stuff. So, uh, uh, But Jeff, as far as linebacker, I look at it and the only person I see that I can lean on right now is Demario Davis. What do you make of the position? Do you think they should add pieces somewhere else in free agency, trade for someone, which they've been famous for doing in the past? or, which they have been infamous in doing, drafting a linebacker?
0: Well, you know me. I'm Mr. Anti-Linebacker, so... That's I, why I, I left this question for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're... I, I, look, I know they wanted uh, Jamie Collins. I think he fits the mold of what we're talking about with Malcolm Jenkins, a veteran from a winning background. Uh, but if you had to go to war right now with Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, and Kiko Lanza, you've got two guys that have injury histories, significant injury histories, that would give you some pause and some concern. So clearly they've got to add at least one more player there. I don't think there's any doubt. I think they historically have gone through free agency to add linebackers. Uh, they will draft one. I mean, Kade Ellis is a young guy they like. We know Craig Robertson, what he is, but he is mainly a special teams player. So, I mean, I think that's a position they can address in the secondary or, or even, you know, the, the, they could wait a few, a few weeks Even after the draft, I think they could help uh, find help there if they don't do it in the draft. But I don't think it's – if they don't get some marquee linebacker in free agency, I don't think it's an issue at all. If you look at the team last year, how often they played with just two linebackers, I think uh, my numbers might be off here. I think it was 70% of the time. So very rarely they even have three linebackers on the field. Uh, so if you're going with DeMario Davis and one of these other guys, usually it'd be Alonzo or Anzalone, assuming he comes back. You've got a little bit of depth there. Um, so I don't think it's a priority in my mind compared to the secondary for sure. All
2: right, let's shift gears here real quick. Uh, David on Yamada, uh Catherine, uh, I think this was before we started the pod, or if my memory's, you'd mentioned it earlier. Uh, David Onyemada back with the the Saints. Uh, seemingly a little bit more modest deal than maybe some of the market uh, for for defensive linemen. But uh, I think David Anyamata, in and of itself uh, is a good signing just because if you don't sign him, there's now injury uh, concerns with Sheldon Rankins and Anyamata back in the fold and keeps the Saints defensive front looking pretty stout, right?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You, You guys know this just as well as I do. When free agency starts and salaries start getting leaked all over the place, the salaries and contracts that the agents are happy with get leaked right away. When an agent is not happy with the salary he got for his player, it doesn't get leaked. So if you've noticed, Ani salary did not get leaked. And I thought that was really interesting. It, the silence speaks volumes. I think they just did not get what they thought they would get on the market. But, if, hey, the Saints are You got to be pleased with that because this guy, who didn't even play football until he was 18 years old, has just quietly become this anchor on the defensive line. And uh, it's it's almost as if people forget that he has started 15 games last year. Maybe it's because he's overshadowed by personalities like Cam Jordan, and everyone's always wondering about Sheldon Rankins and what's going on with him. But yeah, I mean, that's a great re-signing, especially at the money they got him at. I mean, he only cost $3.5 million against the salary cap this year. So it's <laughs> one of the things they probably targeted first that they wanted to do if they could get him.
2: Jeff, I know we've talked a lot about the depth at the defensive line. I think just getting on Yamada back, you look across the board, uh, I, I, maybe they draft somebody, but I don't even think it's a need in the draft. I think they've got capable depth at defensive end. I think they've got quality starters and capable depth in the interior.
0: I agree hundred percent. I mean, I think David Anyamada is a testament to the work of Ryan Nielsen, the Saints defensive line coach, who's highly respected. I think he's done a great job with him developing him. And we don't have any idea what Sheldon Rankins is gonna look like when he comes back. I mean he's had so many injuries. He hasn't had a chance to play the last couple of years, but when he is at his best, I mean, he's a force. He's a Pro Bowl-level player. I think the defensive line is the strength of the defense. They've got depth, as you mentioned. Shy Tuttle was a revelation last year. Taylor Stallworth is a solid piece in there. Um, I think the one guy that probably won't be back, I'm just assuming here, is Mario Edwards Jr. I don't know. But um, they've got depth there. Trey Hendrickson, of course, has been the third uh, defensive end. And Carl Granderson's a guy we know they're high on who has potential off the edge. I don't even know if they need to address this uh, any more going forward after they got Onyemada locked up.
2: And then, look, people are going to be curious about Marcus Davenport and the guy who always gets overlooked, who was one of the sneakier good signings last year in free agency, was Malcolm Brown. It's like we don't even question nose tackle because he's he's been such a solid piece to the puzzle. So, uh, yeah, I think the Saints are going to be looking good going forward from there. All right, Catherine, Big restructurings, uh, Michael Thomas, Teron Armstead. You got the numbers uh, very early this morning. You were all over that, uh, breaking those numbers down. Just kind of... Break some of those numbers down and also explain, I know you went on Twitter and uh, you had a lot of people like to say, oh, well, they're taking one for the team. Well, uh, after you break down the numbers, uh, let's explain uh, where you're going with that tweet.
1: Yeah, um, I was up early. You're going to laugh at this. I I have nothing to do now as we are all in isolation except to go to bed early. But I'm used to going to bed at like three in the morning. So now I wake up at four and what else am I going to do? But check the news. So. I was up very early just checking all these uh, numbers and salary cap hits. And so, obviously, the two big ones are Michael Thomas and Teron Armstead. Basically, I'm going to give people a lesson in salary cap accounting here. When When a player is signed, you can take their signing bonus. The player gets the check, but for accounting purposes, it can be spread out over five years. So that's how you can get all these massively low salary cap numbers in year one. That's how the Saints fit these guys under the cap. It's what they did with Jairus Bird. So then in a year or two down their contract, they'll either have a roster bonus or they'll have a very high base salary. And what they can do is take money from, say, the base salary and then spread it out over another five years or if it's remaining in the contract. So that's what they did with Toronto Armstead. They took, I believe, $10 million of his base salary and converted it into a bonus it lowers his salary cap. Oh, they also added voidable years onto the end of his deal. I actually asked her on that myself today. He said it's not a contract extension. It's just a restructuring. But basically, it's the same thing as Drew. Um, at the end of his contract, his it automatically voids. So the good thing about this is you can fit him under the salary cap this year. Bad thing is salary cap number massively blows up next year, and that could be a problem since he's had injury history. But anyway... To stop giving people a lesson, it lowered his cap number to about 8.7 million. Same thing with Michael Thomas. They did the exact same thing. His salary cap number is only 7 million this year. So they freed up a ton of money, basically just triggering this clause in the contract that makes it look different for accounting purposes. And that's it. What I did find out though was I thought the players got a check immediately when this happened. They don't, they still get their checks as if it was a normal game check. But sometimes what the team does is guarantees part of the salary instead. So the player's happy, the team's happy, and uh, life moves on.
2: Well, speaking of salary restructuring and uh, voidable years, Jeff, let's move on to Drew Brees. Uh, The fact that we've gotten through, what, at least half of this podcast and we're finally getting to Drew Brees kind of just tells you something. Ho-hum, Drew Brees is back, no big deal. And uh, look, you wrote a column about basically the quarterback carousel all over the NFL. I mean, it's wild and crazy. And Drew Brees is back. And again, his deal is basically the same deal he had uh, when he signed uh, a year ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's year to year, right? It's what he keeps telling everybody. And that's the way the contracts are structured. Uh, It doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I actually think all signs point to this being Drew's final year but I don't think it's set in stone by any means. I think it comes down to how he plays, how the team performs. Uh, As long as he's playing at an elite level, uh, he's going to continue to want to play. But I think what will stop Drew Brees from eventually playing is not the physical. It's going to be the mental side of the game, the grind it takes uh, to put in, uh, to play at that level from, from Monday to Sunday. I mean, the amount of the effort and time he puts in to a game plan during the season is extraordinary. And it takes a toll on his family life. Uh, it takes a toll on everything that, you know, outside of that building out on airline drive for him. And I think that's what will eventually cause him to retire. It's not going to be that he can't throw the ball down the field. Like so many fans like to talk about. Uh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Matter of fact, if you look at the numbers, I, I tweeted this out the other day, Uh, His numbers have maintained very similar, I mean, similar metrics as uh, the last four years, much different than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's have dropped off a cliff. His average yards per per completion, his average adjusted completion rate, uh, all those things went way down for him at 42. We haven't seen that from Drew Brees. It's gone down a little bit, uh, but it fits in line with what he's done Over his career. And again, I think people are putting way too much emphasis on his performance against the Vikings, which admittedly was not very good. But you could say that about a number of players, including Ryan Ramchek and Marshawn Lattimore, and some of the best players on the team. Uh, So I think clearly the stability the Saints have at the two most important spots in a football organization quarterback and head coach, now 15 years they've had stability there, has given them a huge advantage. And I'm really interested to see how this plays out this offseason in the league as far as, you know, we know the OTAs, the organized team activities have been delayed or postponed. We don't know when that's going to happen, but I think the Saints stability with Drew Brees, Sean Payton, we know Pete Carmichael, Joe Lombardi, all those guys have been together so long. That's got to be a big edge for them. With their NFC South rivals, we've seen what happened now with Tampa Bay going to Tom Brady, uh, Carolina going to Teddy Bridgewater. Those guys can't get in the building right now. They cannot start working with their teams, and I think that's going to give the Saints an edge because because of the turnover at at some of these other organizations, and the Saints have this unbelievable Unprecedented stability with breeze.
2: Jeff, let me stay with you because you're Mister Taysom Hill. Even though you like to claim Teddy Bridgewater when it's convenient for you, you are still—it's as if you went to BYU. You totally are not actually a Louisville alum.
0: Where did Teddy uh, go to school? I can't remember. Don't know. Well,
2: you can't. You're blinded. You're blinded by uh, Provo, Utah. I mean, you're blinded, so you don't know. You don't know what's what's left or right, but. Uh, uh, as far as Taysom Hill, the only player in the league to be, get the first round restricted free agent and tender, uh, we know by this point he's the heir apparent. But here's the question I want to ask. Look, Chase Daniel is now a Detroit Lion, and you and me have talked about it a lot on this pod, that maybe he would come in and just be that guy who's, he's there in case and it allowed Taysom to still be Taysom. I'm curious to see what the Saints go. I mean, the fact that they did not get Chase Daniel and I'm sure they have quarterbacks that are out there that are capable backups, but where do you think the Saints go? Do you think maybe that they say, all right, Taysom, you be the backup quarterback and you could still go run around and do all these things? Or where do you think the Saints go from here?
0: No, I think they've got to get another player to fill that role. I mean, I think... Look, I think his snaps are going to go up. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think just in the amount of time he puts in during the week, going from special teams meetings to tight end meetings, all the things, all the positions he's been playing, um, that's that can't happen and him still be the backup quarterback. Now, maybe what they do uh, is address the tight end position. Basically, he was their third tight end last year, if you remember, Uh, they've got to get another tight end. I think that's an underrated position of need. Not that you have to have him for this year, but you just have to have the depth there. So it takes some of the burden off of Hill in the regular offense because he was playing that role a lot at the end of the season. Uh, But I just can't see them going into the season without a veteran guy. Whoever that is, uh, I don't know yet. I mean, remember they brought in Tom Savage a few years ago and he got beaten out. Uh, it's going to be someone like that 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 can come in and get up to snuff quickly with this offense. And that's not an easy task. So I think it's got to be a veteran. I don't think they can draft one and expect him to be the backup because this offense is way too hard uh, to learn and to throw uh, a, a rookie in there at this point. I would be very surprised.
2: Jeff, the most unexpected segue on the planet. You mentioned Tom Savage they cut him because they traded for Teddy Bridgewater. And now Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you see that? It's like degrees of separation. We just went <laughs> Kevin Bacon there. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, now a Carolina Panther. We thought maybe he'd go to Tampa. Uh, nope, he is in Carolina. And the pat myself on the back portion of the program, uh, even though wow, that it happens, took a long time to get to that It portion. did take a long time, uh, but... As soon as the Panthers hired Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator, of course, Joe Brady, Wonderkin, he went from getting coffee, cutting up tape, to now the brightest mind in the NFL, apparently. Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers. I put it on Twitter that day. I told our colleague Joe Person that that could happen. What do you know? It's happened. Thank you. If you guys want the lottery numbers, you can have them. But uh, but Catherine, look, you've been around Teddy Bridgewater uh, a lot this year. Of course, him as being a starter, we we knew he would have a market. Um, I didn't realize he'd have such a market. It sounded like a lot of teams were talking about Teddy Bridgewater and Catherine. Just uh, we Obviously, he's going to be remembered for doing such a great job and keeping the Saints afloat. But going forward, where where, where do you think he's going to? perform like in Carolina.
1: Can I just back up real quick and, and tell a Teddy Bridgewater story before I get to that? Um, <laughs> I'm just going to do it anyway. I guess, it's, I guess it's Dunk Holder and Cat or it's Cat. <laughs> what are we supposed to to say? Anyway. No. Cat- <laughs> no, we kind of put this, Larry and I put this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but it was really funny towards one of the last days in the locker room. I was wearing my athletic sweatshirt, which is awesome, by the way, and Teddy comes up to me and he goes, what size is that? I said, why do you want to know? Do you want one? He goes, yeah, I want one. So we were going to give him an athletic sweatshirt and uh, have him take a picture with it and put it on Twitter and it, it didn't work out because we couldn't get one his size the last week of the season. Still waiting for that picture, Teddy. By the way.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Can I? I got it. I got it. Of course, of course, you do.
1: Because I literally gave him my sweatshirt, which the sizing did not work out. As I said,
2: it was an XL. He wanted a large. I, I feel like he's a bigger guy than me. He can't fit in. A, he would fit in an XL. And he, he wanted a. He, he should
1: have just taken the XL. Uh,
2: yes. And he asked us to autograph the sleeve. And now I don't know where the sweatshirt is. I don't have it anymore. It's just floating in La La Land somewhere. But anyway, proceed.
1: Anyway, uh, it's probably sitting in a Saints office somewhere. But anyway, that's just the kind of personality he has. It's so obvious why all his teammates love him. As for reporters, we're going to miss him. But you know, as for his performance in Carolina, I think that is a huge question mark. They are paying him a lot of money. And if you guys just saw a tweet I just retweeted, the Panthers have a ton of dead cap space. They are paying Bridgewater all this money, and we just don't know how he's going to perform when the offense is tailored to him. I think Teddy did exactly what the Saints needed him to do. He led the team to wins. He didn't make mistakes. He had a lot of short passes, but what's he going to do when they need him to put the team on his back and they're not winning with special teams or the defense? I really don't know the answer to that. So I mean I wish I wish uh Teddy success, but I don't think it's any sure thing that he's gonna come in and, and be worth a twenty million dollar contract you just got or twenty million a year. But um, we'll see. I mean I don't I don't know what you guys think, but uh I think it's a question mark for sure.
2: Jeff, you're gonna allow this Teddy slander even though he's your number two to chase him? What's up with that?
0: No, I mean look, I agree hundred percent with Catherine. I think well, he's that's a first. He is a well, look. There's a what? What do they call it? The scouting terms. There's trucks and there's trailers. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a trailer. You know, he's sure. a, a guy that that can kind of the organization or the team has to kind of carry him. He's not a guy that's going to carry the team. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to be done in Carolina. They're basically in full blown transition, and he's a very safe transition. Bad at quarterback until they find someone down the road. And if you look at the way his contract is structured, it's it's certainly not long-term. So I think Matt Rule and and Joe Brady, who's obviously familiar with Bridgewater, knows his work habits, knows his talent, um, and knows that he knows this offense, the passing concepts of the New Orleans Saints are what Joe Brady runs. It makes a lot of sense. But I think, um, in my mind, Carolina is the fourth team in the division now, uh, and I think they're, they're in, and look, they've got the leash, uh, you know, they've got the honeymoon period of a new coach with Matt rule. Uh, they're going to be moving to a, a new stadium down the road. They've got a new headquarters. I mean, that whole organization is kind of in transition and Teddy Bridgewater, a veteran guy with great leadership, uh, makes a lot of sense culturally for this team, but I don't know how good Carolina is going to be considering all the changes they're going to have to make.
2: Yeah, I'll put it this way. Uh, Even, uh, I I caught up with Cam Jordan a couple of nights ago, and while he was saying, all right, he's happy for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, and he was trying to name all, he was going quarterback, wide receiver, duo, and saying how competitive the NFC South is going to be now. He didn't name a Carolina receiver. He named Christian McCaffrey. And he's like, because that's their best receiver. And so I think that's something that could hinder him there. Uh, But with all the quarterback shuffling, and Jeff, you mentioned uh, the Breeze stability, uh, you you know, and you're going to have probably a lack of practice time. At least of anybody moving around, at least Teddy knows the offense and probably knows the playbook better than other quarterbacks shifting around. So that probably played a part in it. But uh, Jeff, you're also right in that, look, our – our colleague up in Carolina, Joe Person, he said maybe Teddy Bridgewater might just be a bridge. Bad pun. It's not even a really a bad Whoa. pun. It, it was not supposed Whoa, to be I'm a gonna pun. Get some Danielle's going to give me the hook again. I'm the king Good. of bad puns. She's already rolling her eyes. Yes, there's no doubt our producer, Danielle, who rolls her eyes all the time at my bad, awful puns. At least it's not a Jordan Love pun. But anyway, that they could still draft a quarterback this year or certainly there'll be some viable quarterbacks next year that, that this could be a bridge quarterback. But uh, I mean, you're talking about trailers and trucks. I mean, Tom Brady has his own truck and 53 million trailers. Wrap up the podcast today with Tom Brady coming to the NFC South. Again, I'll, I'll allude back to my, uh, text chain with, uh, with Cam Jordan. He says makes the division better and that he can't wait. And look, I wrote a column about it. Um, couple days ago or published yesterday uh meaning Wednesday that I think the Saints should embrace Tom Brady coming to the division because it'll keep them on their toes Uh, and look I think it makes Tampa the second best team in the division I'm jumping them over the Falcons uh I'm with you Jeff I'm putting Carolina fourth uh Catherine, Tom Brady coming to the division. We, we get to see Breeze Brady twice a year. Your thoughts?
1: Well, you're about to roll your eyes at what I'm about to say, but it's either going to be 2009 Brett Favre or 2010 Brett Favre. I think this goes one of two extremes. Of course, I have to bring up my favorite player. Uh, I, I think eyes rolled. I know, lulled. I know. I think that I did a story a few years ago. God, I need some coffee. I did some story a few weeks ago just about older quarterbacks and how they did in their final years, and Brady's stats have been declining for about five straight years. So it'll be interesting to see if a change of scenery does him good or if he really is just on the decline. But, hey, I'm excited about it. I can see Breeze and Brady in a Monday night football game. I mean, I think this is fun to watch. So, hey, I I can't wait to watch this. And I think even if Brady is declining – it automatically makes them better after, uh what was it, Mr. 30 interception, Jameis Winston, this season? was well, 30, right? It was high. It was a high number. That's, you yes, could say yeah. 50,
2: and I'd believe it. So <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. But, look, I, I think uh, him going to Tampa, uh, he's got two better weapons uh, than he's had in a long time with the Patriots at wide receiver, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think that was a very attractive thing, and also – Bruce Arians, uh, of course, he's known as being the quarterback guru. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the whole Tom Brady circus is going to be coming to the NFC South.
0: Well, I, you know, if you had asked me two months ago if he'd end up at Tampa, I would have never thought that. I, I don't know why. It just, just seemed like one of the last places Tom Brady would go, considering their history, their quarterback history, how meager it's been. But we all know we've covered the Bucs so long in the NFC South. They've always kind of been a quarterback away uh, from being a contender. And if Brady can just manage the team and be like a super trailer, if you will, uh, they've got so much talent. They've had so many first-round draft picks over the years, high first-round draft picks, that uh, they could be, I think, a sleeper-like wild-card team. I don't think they're going to overtake the Saints in the division, but they could certainly – I mean, they won seven games with Jameis Winston throwing 30 picks – and Bruce Arians and, uh, you know, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, they've got a good staff down there. Uh, the culture change, I think, was important. Remember last year they, they cut Vernon Hargraves. I mean, they were doing a lot of things to establish culture in that locker room. And I think this is another piece in the puzzle for them. And we also – don't forget O.J. Howard at tight end. I mean, he's a big-time talent uh, to go with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think that was attractive to Tom Brady – but can they hold up defensively? Um, I don't know. I mean, that they played better at times last year, but that's always been an issue for me. But it's going to be, like Catherine said, it's going to be really fun now to watch Tampa Bay play. And that was never the case. I mean, I was talking to a, a TV executive this week who was, who was saying they needed the NFC South to get more interesting because uh, it's just not a very interesting division other than the Saints. And now you certainly uh, – you certainly have a lot of interest with Tampa Bay. They're going to be a primetime uh, attraction with Tom Brady.
2: And it sounds like people are probably going to want to go to Tampa and play with Tom Brady. So that should be uh, curious to see a- as we move forward here. But uh, look, wild and crazy times here. Uh, at least the NFL is moving forward. Lots to talk about. So uh, keep it locked into the athletic and we will have massive coverage as we go forward. We're going to keep... Keep on going, and look, just want to promote here real quick that we're doing a 90-day free trial at The Athletic. That promotion came out this morning, so you could jump on for free for 90 days as we're going to keep cranking out quality, incredible journalism, even though seems like the games have stopped. But look, we can keep telling the stories, and so jump on board theathletic.com. So, I want to thank Catherine for jumping on once again. Thank you, as always, for your wonderful knowledge, uh, Ms. Capologist. Uh, Cap, I, I don't know. I
0: think
1: Are you trying to. We should call Go her the bad pun. I here? think we should
0: call her Catologist.
1: That's wow. a new nickname.
0: Jeez, I did not do that. I like that.
1: Actually, it did make Cat-ologist. me
2: laugh. Thank. That's that's rare. That's your joke name. made me wow. laugh. <laughs> Wow. Y'all, the cannons. Can I think I'm going crazy. Y'all can go snort laugh. Y'all go snort laugh somewhere else. Um, on that note, we're getting out of here. So, Catherine, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, of course, want to thank our awesome producer, Danielle, for putting up with our terrible puns. But look, tons of knowledge here. Uh, spread the word. Theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can listen to the podcast or Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your pods. Jump on, and we'll keep bringing. Uh, the the great knowledge all over saints lsu pelicans we'll, we'll keep it coming so for Catherine for jeff i'm larry thanks for joining us here on the duncan holder podcast here on the athletics podcast network